This is your host, Azra Siddiqui. As a reminder, Wise of Texas is my platform to inform the South Asian community about Texas and national politics. You can find us on all forms of social media, such as Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Our handle is at WiseUpTX. Check out our website, WiseUpTX.com, and listen to our podcast segments on Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, iTunes, and last but not least, they are aired on Monday mornings on Coffee Mornings with Aisha on Radio Azad. Remember, everyone, let's get educated, let's get wiser, and let's start giving a hoot. All right, folks, as you all may know, the Texas legislative session has ended, and we hope to give you all a legislative recap at our next podcast. But first, we want to talk to you all about the environment. We have an excellent interview with the founders of Our Daily Planet, and we're here to talk to you all about the environment. It's been really big on many progressive agendas and for many of the 2020 presidential candidates. I mean, we hear so many different terms, climate change, global warming, the Green New Deal. What did they all mean? Well, we're going to chat with our Daily Planet founders who are going to help us unpack these words and how the environment literally impacts almost everything in our lives, such as the economy, food, the current refugee crisis, and that's just to name a few. We also discuss how we can also initiate conversations about the environment with our family members. Just a little bit about our Daily Planet and the founders. You can access their website, www.ourdailyplanet.com, and sign up for their newsletter, which they will send you every morning just a little bit of news about the environment. The two founders are Monica Medina and Miro Corena, and Monica was the former deputy director of the environment program at the Walton Family Foundation, the senior director of ocean policy at National Geographic, the Principal Deputy Undersecretary of Commerce for Oceans and Atmosphere at the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, where she led efforts on Arctic conservation. She has also been an advocate for conservation causes. Some examples include conservation efforts for whales and elephants, funding for our nation's weather and climate science, protection for areas like Yellowstone National Park, and undersea mountains in the Atlantic and Pacific Oceans, and BP accountability to clean up the Gulf of Mexico after the Deepwater Horizon oil spill. Miro began her career working at the World Resources Institute's Corporate Partnership Division. She then joined the Pew Charitable Trust's newly formed Philanthropic Partnership Group. She eventually came to the American Chemistry Council where she helped shape the direction of their value chain outreach division to better connect with consumers and downstream partners on the sustainability benefits of chemistry. She has spent the past decade working on climate change and sustainability issues for government, NGOs, and industry. All right, let's listen to hear what Monica and Miro have to tell us about environmental policy. Thank you so much for joining us today, Monica and Mira. How are y'all? Great. Thank you for having us. Thank you. So, you all are the co-founders of Our Daily Planet. What um, inspired the creation? So, Monica and I met just in 2017. um, And I think, you know, that was kind of a a challenging year to be in Washington, D.C. as someone who works in the environmental world. There were a lot of changes made after the 2016 presidential election. The new administration, you know, certainly 
wasn't committed to these issues. So mm-hmm. Monica and I were both kind of figuring out what our next step would be, how we could make an impact. And one thing that was really evident was that in, in 2016, these issues weren't talked about enough. Like clearly they didn't resonate with voters. And, you know, I think if you have an earnest conversation about climate and the environment, it's it's clear that if you care about the economy, if you care yeah. about national security, if you care about immigration, healthcare, the environment is deeply connected to all those issues. So I think that was kind of our inspiration, is to really have a conversation with Americans about these these really important topics, break them down, make them digestible, um, provide resources if people want to learn more, and you know, hopefully start having that dialogue so the environment isn't just seen as something that you know, only a certain percentage of people care about, or it's like you have to live in California or Vermont yeah. <laughs> or New York. You know, it's for all of us, and it's, it's really affecting everyone who lives in this country. So, so that was kind of the motivation. <laughs> I think the thing that I really wanted to do was something entrepreneurial uh-huh. and um, do something new and different in my career. I've been in government um, and in the private sector um, and in nonprofits, but I'd never done anything um, entrepreneurial. So that's uh, a side of this that's really fun and interesting for me. And um, as Mira said, we wanted to change the conversation about conservation. Right. To make it easier for people to get the news and to understand it. So we have a section in our newsletter called Why This Matters. Um, oh, okay. Every story where we give it context and explain some of the backstory or some of the, the things that might be more um, uh, subtle. Um, or deeper in a newspaper article, we pull that out and put it right up front. So we t- usually digest a news story in one or two or three sentences, and then we go right to why it matters. So we think oh. that's a really powerful way to help people learn about these issues. Um, and we wanted it to be accessible on their phones. So our email yeah. newsletter is, um, is intended to really be able to be accessed wherever you are. Oh, okay. I like how you guys talk about the digestibility of it because I think that kind of runs parallel with what Wise Up Texas is doing mm-hmm. is that government is so convoluted. Nobody right. has any idea of how bills really get passed, how things mm-hmm. work, and digestibility is one of the main things that I think all of us are trying to strive for because unless you work in that sector, it's really mm-hmm. difficult to kind of discern all the little things and the major impacts it really makes on your life. Mm-hmm. So. You had mentioned earlier, Miro had mentioned earlier earlier about, um, you know, with President Trump coming into office and kind of the environmental policies that, or no policies that have occurred (laughs) from that. And I wanted to ask, um, you know, would you mind expanding a little on how you feel the environmental policies have changed under the Trump administration and what are the impact of them? Right. Um, You know, firstly, this administration doesn't acknowledge that climate change is occurring because, you know, we as humans, we're burning fossil fuels and we're causing it to change. So I think that that's really important and and that's kind of, you know, I guess maybe a simple answer, but if the leader of the free world doesn't acknowledge that fact, then, you know, how policy frameworks fit into that, you know, I, I think become really difficult. Um, and as we've seen since President Trump has come into office, you know, with Hurricane Harvey, um, 
the impact that it had. And mm -hmm. evidence showed that because the Gulf of Mexico was so much warmer that it allowed the hurricane to sit and just rain and rain, and we're gonna keep seeing that. An entire town in California was burnt off the face of the earth. And so I think that when you don't acknowledge the root cause of those issues, how are you, how are you gonna help people? How are you gonna help Americans that you know, are, are, are struggling, whether it's farmers who can't plant their crops or, you know, people that live in places that are so hot that it's having an impact on their health. Um, you know, I, I think that the president really drives the, the kind of tone and tenor of our, our nation. And if you don't acknowledge this big problem, regardless of how you think it should be solved, right? Uh -huh. um, I, I think that that's a really big problem and that's hurting Americans fundamentally. I come at it um, as a mom, and for me, the rollbacks of the regulations that Trump's putting in place and the things that he's stopping funding, like there's a small little amount of money, it's not anything that really impacts anyone's taxes, it's a tiny amount of money that's spent creating centers so that we can study the impact of pollution on children and on the elderly. Right. And Trump's decided to defund that. So we just won't know. It's not just that people will be harmed, but we won't even understand what the problem is because he's cut the funding for that and he's rolled back the regulations that were in place that were protecting people from things like asthma. So oh, for me, and I have asthma. I take like a pill and two inhalers a day for I'm it. Totally <laughs> My daughter has asthma and that's how I got interested in this and it's a huge problem in this country. People think, oh, our air is so crystal clean and the president says, we want clean air. But he's the first person to want to pull back on the regulations and his emphasis on coal and coal-fired power plants is really being um, very detrimental, not just for greenhouse gas emissions and climate change, but just basic public health. So for me, environmental justice and mm -hmm. pollution and sort of the, the ways that we've gone backwards in this country um, in his time and then just over time we have loosened up um, and we need to you know we need to put an emphasis on conservation and environment again because it's hurting us yeah so I know that the, the Democrats have filed legislation called the Green New Deal and do you mind giving us a broad overview of what the Green New Deal is about, and also, because we have like a gajillion Democrats running in the presidential <laughs> primary, um, how do you feel some of these candidates, um, I don't expect y'all to go through all like 25 of them, but... We'll cover uh, the top ones. <laughs> kind of cover the top ones yeah. on what their stances are in regards to the Green New Deal, and mm -hmm. I would also love to know what y'all's opinion is, if you think the Green New Deal is great or not. Sure. Well, I'll start by saying that the Green New Deal, you know, isn't um, a, a piece of legislation. It's really an idea. It's a roadmap. It was created by Senator Ed Markey of uh, Massachusetts and um, Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez of New York. And it really lays out of how we change our society and our, and our systems so that they work for people. So how do we address poverty and not just climate change. So really right. kind of creating an economy that works for everyone. Um, a lot of the components are, you know, investment in renewable energy, investment in people. The Green New Deal talks about a jobs guarantee. So, um, you know, kind of taking it a, a step back during the original New Deal, there was something that um, President Roosevelt created um, 
that it was called the Citizens Conservation Corps. And so that allowed people struggling with employment to work, you know, on our national parks and creating all sorts of infrastructure and employed a lot of people. So kind of getting back to those types of government jobs creation programs. And, you know, I think as we've seen the Democratic candidates when they put out their climate plans, mm -hmm. so Beto O'Rourke, um, former Vice President Joe Biden, Elizabeth Warren, Jay Inslee, they've echoed the Green New Deal a lot. And I think they, they're for it. I don't know if they're for all the components. Okay. So for instance, you know, they, they might not be of the position that the government is going to be the primary driver. You know, they might think that it's going to take public-private partnerships. Or the okay. Green New Deal, I think, wants elimination or wants to reach 100% renewable energy use by 2030. And other candidates have laid out, um, you know, kind of di different timelines for that. So whether um, it's 2045 or 2050, uh, 2030. So I think that they they agree that we need to radically change how we power our economy to ensure that you know people aren't getting sick as a result of us burning fossil fuels. That right. the poorest people aren't paying the price for you know the rest of us having the convenience um, of you know single-use cars and and, and single-occupancy vehicles and whatnot. Um, but but I think that all the candidates agree with the basic tenets of it. So. Yeah, I think most of them have actually come out and say they support it mm -hmm. on the Democratic side. Yeah. <clears throat> because it's just a framework, like Miro said. It's not a piece of legislation per se, but it does address every aspect of the economy from agriculture to transportation to manufacturing and sets out a goal that it become carbon neutral. And so it kind of intertwines the economy and the environment and how they impact each other. And they are intertwined. And the narrative that the Trump administration and Republicans often use is that the economy and the environment are opposed to one another. They're in tension with one another. If you have a strong economy, you you know have to roll back every regulation and forget right. about environmental costs mm -hmm. and pollution. We don't agree with that. Um, and the Green New Deal emphasizes that that's not the case, that you can create higher standards for pollution control, um, for energy efficiency, and those things drive innovation and create more jobs for the future, things like solar and wind. And I think the thing that I would add to what Miro said is that the, the thing about climate change is it is a huge issue. It's a huge, urgent issue. It's not just change. It is an emergency. It is an, a crisis. And it's not that we see we see all of it happening at once today, although we see plenty of the impacts happening right. today. But when we think, if we magnified those impacts and they kept happening in increasing amounts, by the time we get to 2050, you can only imagine the kind of chaos that our, right. our whole civilization will be in. Um, and so we need something really big to try to change our ways because what we're what we're doing now and sort of the business as usual way of going about um, you know kind of progress isn't gonna isn't gonna change things enough to actually make a difference. So that's why the Green New Deal is both ambitious and maybe a little bit scary to some people because it sounds so big. It's and like it sounds a so overhaul of a system. Right. And to some extent um, it is, but it's an opportunity. And what people don't think about is if we don't change, what's that going to look like? 
what's that future? And it's a pretty frightening one. If you think about more hurricanes, more fires, more disease, um, and the fact that other countries will be um, advancing technologies, um, building solar panels and uh, driverless cars, and if we're not doing that, we'll be the countries in the back seat. We'll be the ones who are being, um, you know, out outplayed, outmaneuvered, out earned yeah. by all the rest of the world. And those are the two fastest growing jobs in our nation right now is a solar panel installer and a wind turbine technician. So we're already seeing that this future of clean energy is going to be where the jobs are. That's where our future is. And I think the Green New Deal really kind of, you know, sets the path for, for us to embrace that and really yeah. go down that path as a nation. And as Mara said, it's not that different from what we've done in the past. We've done big things like this in the past. Mm -hmm. The way we have power in lots of parts of rural America is because the government came in and electrified it. We put in the power lines and, and we created the infrastructure to have power in places like Appalachia. And now we have to make it clean power. Yeah. And I'm going to kind of go off on a Texas tangent. Yeah, um, sure. So what I find interesting, and I'd love y'all's feedback on this, is so the person who is the overseer of the te TCEQ, which is a Texas Commission for Environmental Equality, mm -hmm. and they're appointed by the governor. And mm -hmm. so I've seen him speak at a few events, and he pretty much is one of those that's a complete denial of climate change, right? Mm -hmm. right? Doesn't want to admit that it's happening or has his own explanations for it. But what's ironic is Texas has huge investments in wind energy. Mm -hmm. um, you go out to West Texas or anywhere else, like you see the windmills everywhere. Um, I'm not sure how big we are in solar energy, but from what I Growing. understand is yep. we're starting to grow. I know they're trying to get some tax um, mm -hmm. tax exemptions if you you know buy solar panels. So I, I, I've seen that lobbying effort happening on the, in the Texas House and Senate. I'm just kind of confused as to how, I guess, you know, it's Republican-run majority, mm -hmm. um, how they kind of, it's like a paradox to me that we know that these investments are being made, we continue, the government continues to make these events, mm -hmm. investments on a state level, and yet you have someone in the TCEQ trying to deny climate change. I mean, I'm just curious as to what your thoughts are on that, because I find well, that very interesting. I think, I think you also have to see the industries that they're protecting uh, at the same time, which in Texas, you know, fossil fuels are a big component and a big part of the history of Texas. So right. I think that, you know, that gets challenging. Um, well, we're, and, and the thing about Texas is after the 80s, you know, with the oil mm -hmm. pretty much um, like just going downhill with the economy Golden tanking. Bus. Yeah. Uh, Texas has, you know, coming from the Comptroller's Office, we've diversified our economy to mm -hmm. way more than just oil. Exactly. So, I mean, I understand that that perspective that, you know, there is still some protection of the fossil fuel industry, but I just find it interesting that having Republican leadership, that there has been such an investment in wind energy when you kind of see what's happening in the presidential, yeah. um, in the White House. I find it really confounding because the president has just made merciless fun of wind power. Even and it causes cancer. It causes cancer. Absurd. But the sound is um, somehow annoying and that 
um, kills birds. Kills birds, which we didn't realize he cared so much about. <laughs> and, and, and I have two pet birds, so yeah. I was surprised about that too. <laughs> and and um, and also that it um, isn't reliable. So like if you if the wind isn't blowing, you can't turn your television on, which is one of his really more outrageous <laughs> lines. Um, but it is such a big growth engine for our economy. Um, it is surprising given that they are so um, determined to show their uh, how, how they've grown the economy but it's it's um, it's it's just you know they're they're opposed to it they just don't they would rather see old coal plants continue um, and have us frack and frack and frack um, and and pipe that natural gas and export it um, than have us conserve our own resources um, and then grow and build these new businesses. Yeah, but I think, you know, I, I'd like to be optimistic and think that that kind of paradox is limited. So if you see what's happening in Iowa, they're another huge win state, their um, senator, Senator Chuck Grassley, he is pretty conservative on just about everything except for wind energy. And he is a huge champion in the United States Senate for wind because it's reached a critical mass. You know, the farmers yeah. in Iowa who put these turbines on their property, they see the value. Even You don't even have to acknowledge climate change at all or talk about it, but they see the economic value. Yeah. And I think, that, I think in Texas it will hit that critical mass. And so these lawmakers won't be able to, to, to stymie progress of, of this um, technology. Yeah, I definitely think it's becoming more and more of a bipartisan issue. Yeah. And, and, and I think the economics, again, is intertwined in that. They see yeah. how much it's helping the economy, helping those people, maybe those farmers, mm -hmm. you know, that aren't able to grow crops but can, you know, mm -hmm. put those windmills on their land and generate energy from there. And what's nice is that you really don't even need to get into the argument of what's causing climate change by how much like that is important but i think that when you do talk about renewable energy you can bypass that and we get the solutions we need without the squabbles so i think in in more purple states that's that's important and i think you know that'll kind of drive how how these states evolve on these issues and elections to come yeah so you know as a citizen we we know that these policymakers you know, are making their choices and their decisions and, and we can vote on them. Mm -hmm. But in your day-to-day -day life, um, I'll give examples for what I try and do in terms of the economy, or not the economy, the environment. Uh, I try and take reusable bags to the grocery store. I try and re recycle as much as I can. Um, you know, I try to take public transportation while I'm living in D.C. I'm not sure when I move back to Texas how, how great that's going to be. <laughs> and I guess, that, you know, I want to ask, what are other ways that citizens can contribute to not only talking about the environment, but trying to conserve it the best that we can, whether it's in the policy level with government mm -hmm. or just even the little things in life? I think the biggest thing you can do is vote in every election for every office because even if it's for your school board, that school board can dictate, you know, are schools going to transition to renewable energy? You or know? teach climate change. Exactly, or teach climate change. So local elections matter, showing up for elections, you know, all those other components are great. It's important that we take public transportation and try to save plastic. 
But if we don't have policy change in our country, then you know those that it, it won't matter in the end. So we need to you know from the bottom up, we need to have our our schools and mayors and and everyone you know behind this. I think you as a consumer also have a lot of power, mm -hmm. and okay. so choosing products wisely, looking for companies that have sustainability pledges that are um, have taken uh, climate change seriously. It's hard. It's impossible to not, um, you know, yeah. drink from I mean, a plastic bottle from yeah. time to time. I mean, that's a hard one, but that's one that you know. Hopefully, we can change over time because single-use plastic bottles are a huge problem. So there yeah. are ways as a consumer that you can make choices that will um, change the way businesses um, do business. And that's great too. And then and listening. Yeah. Like I, mean, I, was, I think we're all gonna have electric cars fairly yeah. soon. Like I was yeah. just at a, a sustainability conference called Sustainable Brands and I was talking, you know, with the likes of Procter and Gamble um, and Keurig Dr. Pepper. And that's what they're saying, you know, we are assessing our plastics use because our consumers are demanding it. So, you know, talking with Procter and Gamble and the innovation they've put into reducing plastic, enabling like the second generation of recycling is amazing. And that's all because people have pressured them to do it. So these companies are listening and, and it is that is important. Yeah, so trying to call out those companies that mm -hmm. are... Tweet uh, at them, engage at them, you know. Yeah. And it's kind of old school. If there's a customer service line, you know, call it and make that comment because that's captured. And, um, and if you see products in the marketplace, you know, that are using less plastic, try to opt for those. Yeah, like Patagonia. Mm -hmm. And I've seen a lot of um, athleisure wear is trying to do a lot yes. of things like with recycled plastic. Right. Mm -hmm. Yes, mm -hmm. or shoes that come from recycled plastic. Yeah, I heard Adidas is going to really yes. try and do Adidas, something like that. Yes, they have a big pledge. Uh, you know, I think people are aware. Yeah, um, and companies can in some ways be more nimble than even you know all, all the governments, right? Yeah. yeah. So um, there's definitely and the, and companies care about millennials. They want those customers. Very much so. Yeah. And they know that millennials care about this issue. So it's interesting to see how they're trying to make the switch. So, you know, I'm going to end this kind of on an ominous note. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Tell us, where do you see Mother Earth in like the 20, 30 years if we do not enact on climate change? I think um, kind of the biggest thing is global instability because we see that climate change takes political conflicts and makes them worse. So in, in Syria, for instance, before the conflict there, there was a big drought. Farmers were driven from their farms, so there were more people in urban areas. And, you know, just having those populations double, triple um, creates a lot of political turmoil. You know, what we're seeing with the migrant crisis at our southern border, that has been amplified again by, by climate change, changing rain patterns. Um, in that part of Central America. So I think, you know, it, it could get scary, at least from that front. We're going to see yeah. more refugees and the world is going to have to figure out, you know, what to do. Some places are literally going to become uninhabitable. You know, just today we wrote a story about the heat waves happening in India. Yeah, so right. it's 122 degrees. You know, a lot of people don't have air conditioning and the human yeah. body cannot 
operate at no. all. Like you, you will. Die. I know a couple summers ago, even in Pakistan and Karachi, yeah. they had some Bangladesh has been getting monsoons, yeah, right. like more so than usual. And monsoons, just on that topic, climate change is is changing. Uh, you know how monsoons happen, when they happen, and so right now in India. Folks are hoping that the monsoon season would start, but it's been delayed and that, you know, if we don't do something, that's only be going to become amplified and, and, and worse, so. I do think that people in the tropical parts of the world are going to bear a brunt and even if we did everything we could now going forward, there are going to be impacts. So I don't, I don't want to sound such an ominous note, but I do think we have to just reconcile ourselves to the fact that things are going to change. And they always have, but there are going to be some drastic changes. And there are people who live in certain island nations who that are not going to be able to stay there. We're, we as a world, as a global community, are going to have to face that. So to me, um, we have to change our behaviors now so it doesn't get worse, because the worst is really um, unthinkable in some parts of the world. I think it will be, it will be devastating. Other places won't be as devastated, but if we, um, even if we do everything that we need to now, some places will still have impacts, and we are going to have to think those through and start to figure out how to deal with them. And um, I think in places like um, India and Palau and um, parts of Africa, there will be changes that will have to be made, and we need to we need to get our arms around that right now. And even in the U.S. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Texas, for example, there may be places where um, it's too hot for people to actually do the jobs that they do now. So or sea level rise. Right, yeah. Or, uh, Houston, maybe. Houston. Yes, maybe. Yeah, water. Houston's like on a swamp, right? right. And mm -hmm. we never know, like we hear like water levels may be rising. Mm -hmm. um, I know coming from Texas, um, I remember in 2014 and then 2011, the summers there were just horrible like mm -hmm. multiple and I think even this past summer in Austin it was like m like multiple days of triple digit heat. right and I know in Texas we're kind of used to maybe like having a week of that but right. not like month or like six weeks right or, and the human body I mean that your heart can't handle that stress heat is one of if not I think heat waves kill more people than any other extreme weather just because it's so lethal yeah. So, and we're gonna, and, and kids who are exposed to extreme heat as well, you know, their bodies have, have problems developing. So, but you know, to, to take it to a positive place, we're the last generation that can do something about this. Mm -hmm. And we can, you know, but we, we have to act quickly. And we have to, you know, talk to our families. And, you know, if you, ha if you know someone that might not acknowledge climate change or might be skeptical, have an honest conversation. You know, you don't need to be holier than thou or bombard them yeah. with facts, but just say, you know, look what's happening in our community. You know, maybe, let's talk about that. What does that mean? What kind of a future do we want? Um, so I, we have the ability to do something about this we, yes. as a species. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, on a personal level, I would think, you know, South Asian parents are exceptionally great at guilting their kids. <laughs> it is a trait <laughs> and a trick. <laughs> no, but I think South Asian parents have it on another level. <laughs> yeah. 
And, and, and so I've kind of um, re reverse psychology that to my mm -hmm. parents because they love to buy water bottles at mm -hmm. Costco. They'll buy bulks of right. them. And I bought them a Brita filter and, mm -hmm. you know, like a, I, I use this Contigo um, water bottle that I carry with me everywhere yeah. and refill with water. And I tell my parents, because, you know, I don't have kids yet, and I'm like, do you want your future grandchildren to live in a landfill? Like, mm -hmm. this is what you're contributing to. And they're right. just like, yeah. very <laughs> dramatic. And, yeah. and to really get the yeah. point across. But I think it's just even those little conversations, like, my parents haven't stopped buying water bottles, but at least they've kind of Thinking started that. using the Brita filter at home and they take the water bottles out. It used to be the water bottle was out every, like even in the house. I have that same problem. It's, yeah. It's a long journey, but you know, we'll, we'll not. But at least they're cutting it down yeah, at home, exactly. which I'm pleased about. Yeah. So it's, it's progress, um, but you got, you got to take it a day at a time. Yeah. Um, well, thank you so much for joining thank me for today. And I want everyone to know about y'all's wonderful website and how they can keep in touch with y'all to oh, stay please. informed yeah. so you can wise up on environmental Absolutely. policies. Absolutely. We're at www.ourdailyplanet.com and we're on Instagram and uh, our hashtag is at ODP news. So you can sign up there, you can follow us on Twitter, sign up for the email, and we cover Texas a lot. You know, there's a lot yes, happening there. We do. Um, and you guys are a great state with, you know, a lot of innovation and good ideas. And, and I think, young people. And yeah, you're, yes. part of the, you're part of the future that's going to be responsible for this change. So and We hope we can just help a little bit. So www.ourdailyplanet.com. Please sign up. It's a daily newsletter. It's five minutes. We say it's the best five minutes of your mm -hmm. morning. You'll get all the news plus analysis that makes it easy to understand. So um, we hope to make our um, newsletter the thing to read on mm -hmm. environment. Perfect. Thank <laughs> you so much. Thank you. All right, folks, that's our segment for today. I hope you all attained a better overview about environmental policy and the steps you can take to preserve and protect Mother Earth. Remember, everyone, let's get educated, let's get wiser, and let's start giving a hoot. Until next time. <laughs>